Hello, everybody. Welcome back to AWS She Builds Tech Skills EMEA. My name is Chris Howard, and I am a member of the AWS Developer Relations Team based in Munich, Germany. And you're here for our third episode. This series, She Builds Tech Skills, is all about helping you upskill on the AWS cloud. We're going to be talking to you, showing demos, um, programs that you can take advantage of. We're going to dive deep into certain solutions and different services. And we've had two episodes so far, far where we talked about uh, machine learning. We talked about app development. If you're interested in those episodes, you can go to our YouTube page and see past episodes. But we have some amazing guests for you today and a very special show. So I'm going to introduce my co-host first. So um, Julia, welcome. How have you been over the last month? Hi, hi again. Uh, I've been very well. I've been waiting all the time for our next episode. I couldn't wait to be live again. <laughs> and I'm very happy to be, uh, yeah, to see you and to, to, to yeah, to join the show again. Uh, just as a reminder, hi everyone, my name is Julia and I'm a data scientist from Warsaw, from ProServe team. Uh, and I am also very, very excited today because as you can see, we have our third co-host on board today. Yes. Hey, Antonia, welcome. <laughs> we liked her Thank so much you. last month, we brought her back. <laughs> exactly. I'm the lucky one. I got promoted from a speaker. So last time I was actually speaking about Machine Learning University in PyCon. And today I'm here as a new co-host. Uh, and as a reminder also, I'm also a data scientist, but based in Berlin with the Machine Learning Solutions Lab team. Excited to, to be here today. We're so happy to have you, Antonia. And, and just so everybody knows, this is probably going to be my last episode on the show. Maybe, probably my last episode because I've taken a new role focused on Asia Pacific and I'm going to be moving back to Australia at the end of the year. But I'm really excited to leave the show in, in amazing hands here. And we have some very special guests. So who have you got for us to talk to today, Yulia and Antonia? Uh, yeah, so today we brought some AWS's fresh blood. Uh, so we are joined today by Varvara and Ala, and both girls, they are very recent graduates from UK universities. And even though you might we feel a bit intimidated at first because one of them is a cosmology uh, grad, uh, graduate and the other one electronic engineering graduate, uh, they are both now part of AW, AWS team and to be even more precise, AWS graduate program. Uh, and this is what we'll be talking about today. So what brought, the, uh, what brought them to AWS, what is graduate program, and what kind of initiatives you can get involved in uh, as a part of this initiative. And we uh, are going to have a demo, right? We always have a hands-on demo. Yes, of course. Uh, so in today's demo, we will be showing you one of the initiatives of, uh, of graduate program, which is sustainability hackathon. And as far as I know, Varvar and Ala have worked on uh, on building something around the topic of sustainability, uh, some kind of a dashboard. So we will have a sneak peek into that. Uh, so uh, girls, maybe you would like to uh, introduce yourself. Maybe we could start with Varvara. Um, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Varvara. Nice to meet you all. And thank you so much for having us on this great show. Uh, I'm a recent graduate, like you mentioned. And uh, currently, I work in Global's team at ProServe. Uh, this is the team at AWS that focuses on large customers that span multiple countries and multiple regions. And uh, I'm currently a DevOps consultant in training, getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Ala? 
Yes, thank you for having us. This is a great opportunity to talk about uh, the grad program and what we get up to on kind of our day-to-day -day lives. But I'm Ala. I'm a professional services graduate in a team called ETIP, which stands for Emerging Technologies and Intelligent Platforms. Bit of a mouthful. But uh, I am a data scientist uh, specializing in AIML and trying to specialize that so on. But yeah, I graduated in last year from University of Southampton and we've been here for about eight or nine months now. Congrats Already. to both of you. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I think people saying hello in the chat. So if you do have questions for the hosts or the guests, put them in the chat. I'm going to shut up now, but I'll keep an eye on the comments. And if you have questions, I'll jump back in. But I'll, I'll let you ladies get the discussion started. Yeah, so uh, I would like to kick off today's discussion um, because I don't know how about you, but I have still <laughs> very vivid memories of my student, student life. And I still remember all the stress and all the tension about getting your first job. And I remember I, it is a bit of a nightmare stories and a bit of excitement of getting into professional life. So I was wondering how you maybe learned about the graduate program and what like enticed you to, to, to try like to go to AWS and try it out. So maybe uh, you could start. Yeah, so uh, my story is pretty uneventful. I was kind of, you know, browsing for jobs and trying to, you know, just find something that will fit my skill set and what I really want to do. And I came across this grad program and it matched basically to a T what I want to do. It has, you know, a lot of upcoming technologies. It has a very exciting program. We get to learn a lot of different skills and a lot of different technologies yeah, but as I would... well. But I have a feeling that like electronic engineering and machine learning, it's not that closely related. So uh, what was your journey here? Yeah, so uh, funnily enough, my university, we had a very close um, school with uh, computer science. So our school was electronics and computer science. So a lot of the electronics modules were also kind of with a bit of computer science put into it. And also we were able to take some computer science modules ourselves. So over time, uh, I gained some programming knowledge and really get to experience that. And from there, I applied for this job and I get to use these skills now in my job. Cool, oh, perfect. How about you, Barbara? So from my side, um, actually a friend of mine from university joined another graduate program at AWS a year prior. And he was having such a good time constantly talking about it. So <laughs> even though I didn't have much coding knowledge or I did nothing related to computer science at university. I thought I would give it a try just to see. And uh, from the very you know, first moment I was interviewed, I really, really enjoyed the people that I got to meet during the process and realized that it would be a right place for me. Yeah, I can confirm that this is the right place. So just as a sneak peek into our uh, product life, I've been actually working with Barbara on one of the projects and she rocks and then like, I think that you're too humble because you definitely have a lot of coding skills. <laughs> Thank you. And you really helped me out. Uh, yeah, we were working on a project at the very beginning of my time at AWS. And I think Yulia taught me a lot of uh, important information. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I was also wondering, because like as a graduate, you, you are not like a regular employee, right? So there is a, there are these subtle differences between graduate life and like regular employee life at AWS. Could you summarize like what 
what these differences are, what kind of initiatives you are involved in. Ala, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, I think what's a bit different is uh, we come here and the first three months are purely onboarding and getting us up to speed. We do kind of no real project work, so we're not really on any customer real work, but we basically are trying to get up to speed with AWS services some networking, asking the silly, silly questions to everyone and really just having that, that those three months to be able to kind of learn our skills and develop. And after we graduated those three months of onboarding, we get to move on to some actual consultant work. But in theory, the graduate program lasts a year. So over the whole year, we are still graduate consultants and trying to work our way and navigate the AWS world. Yeah, additionally, throughout the year, the graduate scheme runs in parallel to all the other customer work that we do. And every few months or so, we would have special events organized just for graduates. For example, the hackathon that we're going to talk about later. There's uh, some security event that happened quite recently. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But I have to say, even though it's slightly different to being a regular consultant, you still feel very close to the team. I feel very involved in everything that everybody else does. And um, yeah, you don't really feel like you're in a separate bit to everybody else at ProServe. And what about mm -hmm. the, the topic of your graduate program? So you're in DevOps and uh, Ala, you're in AI. So is that something that you choose upfront or is it something that you learn within those three months of onboarding? So I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I came into AWS and I said that I wanted to try different things because there was a lot of choice. I think you can specialize in quite a few things. So they kind of give you free reign, you know, to try and learn things. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Like, I, I wish I could have that when I uh, started my first job. Did you mention just I want to uh, did either of you have much cloud experience before you joined us or much AWS experience at all? No. Wow. So you're learning all that. Yeah, uh, not at I've all. Heard, <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard about graduate program that you are assigned a mentor during your uh, first year. Was it also the case for you? Yep. So personally, uh, I got assigned a mentor and a buddy. So uh, a buddy, someone kind of a bit more of uh, your kind of tenure here. So they're here to kind of really give you the tips and tricks, whether that be onboarding or just, just general help. And then what I found with a mentor is a bit more senior. So I get to ask them very technical questions, get their opinion on things like progression in the career and things like that. And also, of course, you get assigned a manager and my manager is amazing. She always helps me out with any problems I have. But yeah, we build a very supportive network here and we get a lot, a lot of help. It's great. I think as a regular consultant, you can get involved in mentorship program. You have to sign up and kind of tell them what you're interested in, what kind of support you're looking for. And for us, as part of graduate scheme, this was just done automatically, I think. Cool. Nice. And what happens after the year of your graduate program? Do you have to go through interviews again in order to stay within the team or? I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> but I think as far as we know, there's not, we, uh, we have a graduation event where all the grads will get together, hopefully in person, but we've been doing our events virtually for the past few months and we get to kind of graduate out and become non-graduate consultants. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Sounds good. 
And how about the admission process? Can you can you tell us a bit more about the interview process and how it looked like for you? Maybe Vara, sure. you want to start? So you, I think just like with most of the roles at AWS, you submit your CV and answer some specific questions, which is a really short process. Uh, then you get a phone screen uh, where somebody just talks to you very briefly to make sure that you're the right person for the role and there's a point in interviewing you. And uh, finally, you do an interview loop. It's just a day where I think, Alok, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your manager has to interview you, somebody else from the team has to interview you, and just some other people from ProServe interview you. I think the biggest difference with the typical application process is that it wouldn't be so technically focused. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just trying to see what kind of person you are, you know, how curious you are. Sure. Uh, all right. So we've been uh, talking earlier about these cool initiatives that are part of the graduate program. And you mentioned that one of the initiatives that you took part in was uh, this sustainability hackathon. So could you tell us a bit more about, about that? Like, uh, how did you get involved in it? It was like, was it obligatory for all grads to now take part in this initiative? Or is it more like on the you choose what you want to do uh, basis? So uh, throughout the year, we have some events already pre-planned. So we came in September, we knew already these events are happening at those times. And I think there's a five or six events and a hackathon was one of them. We had a security jam. We have a, a Think Big event coming up as well, which should be really exciting. But these days are kind of blocked out for us to spend time with the graduates, spend time doing this specific event. We usually get put into random teams. I think they try and split us up so we don't all just uh, go with our <laughs> London grads or whichever grads we're in the area. So they really try and split us up and just really be able to kind of network, work together and really kind of develop our skills. Uh, I think the hackathon was quite a special one because it was a three day event. Uh, like most, you know, um, software development uh, hackathons are. And the, it was at the end of the three months, right? So the three months of onboarding that we've done, this was kind of a, a special point in time after which we go and work with the customer. And uh, Ale and I were on the same team that won the hackathon, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to have people on the show who didn't win. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we have a high bar, that's true. And Ale, you just mentioned the fact, so you, you are based in London, but you also have, so you can attend the graduate program wherever you are in, in, in EMEA or? Uh, I think, I'm not exactly sure, but there are main offices in certain mm -hmm. countries and you are allowed to apply to a specific office so whether that be uh, london or munich i think we have some offices dotted around here and there okay cool sounds awesome yeah sounds like a nice opportunity to travel like uh, like right after your studies if you still want to try some new things in life <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the advantages of working at companies big as Amazon is there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, I've I've moved internationally with Amazon, and uh, yeah, it's it's a nice perk. Yeah, I also heard about uh, some grads who are in my team, and they joined like already like two years ago, and they said that before the pandemic hit, uh, they were traveling constantly as a part of graduate program. Like that, every month they were meeting in a different city, so. Uh, 
he really misses the this experience. It's a big <laughs> pain point for us because we joined as a pandemic cohort. Yeah. <laughs> <Could> not travel. Oh. <laughs> but I at least I keep fingers crossed that you will have like your proper graduate party uh, in place. They should, yeah. Uh, since all the conferences are happening on the site already. Uh, all right, I think it's time for, for the sneak peek into your prize-winning uh, hackathon solution. <laughs> we are very curious. Um, so I think that, okay, you are sharing your screen, so let me just edit so that we can all see that. Great, so as you said, we did uh, this three-day event, which is the Graduate Hackathon. Uh, all of our grads took part. We were all put into random teams. Uh, I was with Barbara. We had two other teammates who were also amazing. And the main kind of topic was sustainability. And we got to work on a very cool project that we'll show you in a few minutes as well. So first of all, it's called EFI, which is, stands for an eco-friendly index, which is basically this sustainability score we created based on different metrics. And it basically allows our customers to see which availability zones are the most sustainable in whichever area they want to look at in more depth and we want to be sustainable not in just like our personal life whether that be recycling and things like that but we do also want to be sustainable in the cloud so that was our kind of main goal behind this all and the goal was to provide customers with data so they can see that they're being more sustainable rather than just telling them oh this is the most sustainable option and they can actually see and play around with the dashboards to see what is the best choice for them. So we set ourselves a four main kind of goals. So here you have number one, which is easily track the impact of resources of enterprise individual users. So they're easy, they're able to track the things like EC2 instances in the specific uh, availability zones. We want to make reporting easier. So rather than going through a bunch of dashboards to get the information you need, we just have two very concise dashboards which they can use. Avoid decision paralysis, so they're able to make decisions easier and faster. And composition of scores, so uh, on the next page, uh, Val will tell you more about what we built into the sustainability score and how an individual can change it based on their needs. Yeah, so the, the main idea behind this, uh, yeah, the main idea that we came up with was the score, which uh, composed of a few um, sustainability metrics. You can see here, we looked at the percentage of renewable energy, uh, percentage of energy that comes from renewable sources rather than coal or oil. Uh, the carbon score, which is, you know, how efficient uh, your um, energy is. So how much carbon actually gets emitted as a percentage, you know, how much you use. And we looked at the grid efficiency because in many places on earth, uh, the grid, the electricity grid is not very efficient and the electricity simply gets lost. But like Allah said, the good point about the score is first of all that you can change these metrics depending on the information that you have available. If you get more examples of, I don't know, the way the uh, uh, government uses uh, electricity, you know, like basically anything you want to put into the score, you can. And second of all, uh, you avoid decision paralysis because instead of giving a lot of information to our customers and telling them to figure it out, we put it into a single score, which they can use to easily compare different regions and availability zones of AWS. Um, uh, can, 
Can I have one question here? Because I was wondering, uh, how do you calculate this percent of renewable uh, energy sources or this carbon score? Like, is it something that is, like, is it is this data publicly available? Did you have to like really dig uh, and like search for some publicly available data sources, or is it something very specific to AWS? So this is a great question. We wanted to talk to you about this as well because uh, AWS itself collects a lot of data. Uh, stuff like grid efficiency would be the data that's collected by the government in many areas of the world. In this hackathon, of course, we simply come up with our own mock data set, which is not really using any of the actual data sets. So when we show you the dashboards, don't read too much into you know, the scores because we came up with this mock data set. But they, uh, we tried to stick to these particular three metrics because we knew that this is the information that is already available from AWS or the government sources. Sounds good. Uh, so just very briefly, not to get too technical, but this is the architecture that we built. Uh, you can see at the top, you can have your EC2 instances being um, launched into a particular region or different regions. We have a Lambda function that runs on a cron job every, I think, few minutes or a few weeks, whatever the customer wants to do. It looks at the EC2 uh, instances, looks at the regions, how many are in each region availability zone, and it pushes this data into RDS, which is a relational database, which then updates the QuickSight dashboards, which we are going to show you later, where you can see a very nice visualization of how over time your sustainability, the sustainability of your infrastructure changes. And additional at the bottom row, you see there's another Lambda function with an API gateway. This is an additional functionality for customers to simply hit an API endpoint, which will provide them with inf this information in a very usable format. So I think Ala mentioned at first that we wanted to make reporting easier for the customers if they want to report on their sustainability impact, uh, environment impact, they can simply get this data by heading an API endpoint and process it whatever way they want. Should we show the dashboards? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'll take you through the first one yeah. and then Ella will walk you through the second one. So this is simply a map of all AWS regions. Using mock data, we calculate the FE score and you see the red ones are with the low FE, so not super sustainable. Green ones are with uh, very sustainable um, infrastructure. And uh, if you go down. Yeah, but again, it's just mock, right? So this <laughs> I was going to say, this is not real. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another uh, just visualization of the same idea uh, using mock data. You can look at the regions and prior to actually placing your resources in a particular region, you can refer to this dashboard and see, you know, perhaps even though uh, Canadian region is further away from you, maybe the FE score is quite important to you as a company, so you would put, place your resources there. Oh, actually, this is something I wanted to ask about. Like, does, does my proximity to the AZ impacts the sustainability score? Like... Uh, does the fact that I might, I don't know, trigger resources which are far away from me have some negative impact or not really? I think this is a great question uh, because this is something that can be looked into and again, become a part of your personalized FE score. But we didn't really look at that. But it's sure. a really interesting question, actually. 
I think also where your customers are, the people using your resources is going to matter as well. Absolutely. Okay, we can look down. Uh, so you see how we, we looked at three particular metrics as a composition of the score. So here, maybe for your particular customer, you really care about a particular metric like your carbon score because you want to be efficient and you don't really care about other metrics. So here you can see how different uh, regions compare and how the FE score adds up. So for example, some regions would be would have a good FE score because they're really using a high percentage of renewable sources, but would not actually be very efficient grid-wise. So this is just another plot. And if you scroll down, we actually came up with this um, tool using QuickSight, which allows you to put in how important you think a particular metric is to you, and it will give you uh, the best region. So for example, you see now we look at grid efficiency, renewable weight, and carbon score, they're all equally weighted. So you just want overall good result. And you see that US East 1A is the best availability zone for you. Um, if you, for example, say that you only care about the percentage of renewable sources and you bring everything else to zero, um, Allah, maybe you could, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, you can increase this one. I think I have a slight delay in the screen. But see, for example, if you only care about yeah percentage of your renewable sources, now it's CA Central 1A, which is the best availability zone for you. This uh, is fantastic. I mean, I think for those of you who don't know, we, we add a sustainability pillar to the well-architected framework. So this is, I know it's, it's so important to customers. I'm sure Yulia and Antonia, you see that with the customers you work with as well. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Especially in the yeah in the in, while migrating workflows from on-prem to, to to cloud, like the evaluation of like carbon emissions in, is one of the factors that, that we evaluate at the end of each project. So I think it's a like a really cool tool to introduce in this in this analysis because at least myself I was not aware that impact on different availability zones can be different. Like I I haven't really thought of it before. Uh, so I think it's a nice, um, yeah, nice dimension to include. Okay, we can look at the second dashboard, which actually, instead of providing you with overall information, would look at your particular resources and give you kind of suggestions and insight into your usage. Great, cool. Thanks, Barbara. Yes, so this is more kind of on your personal resources. So the first one was kind of overall, just a general look at at the availability zones we have currently, but now what's important is looking at your own resources. So as we said, the FE score it links to a specific EC2 instance, and here we see green is good, orange, and then going up to not so good ones. But here we have, we um, fired up some EC2 instances, and then we fired up some more, and we see, oh, we added in this not so good FE score. And looking at this, oh, we can actually change that out for the better score. So it's kind of these trade-offs with, do you want to launch an EC2 instance just anywhere you want, or do you want to start launching your EC2 instances in an area that might be a bit better for the environment and sustainability? And we did say this is, of course, a, a mock data set, but we did try and <laughs> kind of replicate something that we know kind of AWS uh, or Amazon connects as a whole. And then we can just go down here and see the averages over time. But yes, but this is just a good view to show, right, this is a very good read, oh, sorry. 
this is a very good region for you currently, but this region might not be so good for your EC2 instance right now. And I think this also goes with uh, some companies have some compliance kind of issues or they need to follow to be in a specific uh, availability zone or a specific region. So it's not to say, oh, shut down all your, all your bad instances and replace them with good ones. It's just kind of giving you the ability to see all the data and make the decisions based on this. But yeah, yeah uh, of course, yes, we shut down all the instances after, so you can see November here. So, but we have <laughs> shut them down also. We couldn't re-upload uh, re the dashboard because... I spent a long time this morning trying to refire up our database <laughs> because we shut it down straight away and did not take any snapshots or anything. <laughs> And yeah, again, if you are just joining us, this is all mock data. Do not rely on this to decide on your own your own regions. Uh, yeah, so uh, the time flies by when we are talking about the demo. So we uh, we will be slowly uh, coming to an end uh, of our today's meeting. So if you guys have any questions to uh, to our guests today, feel free to post them in the chat uh, as we still have a couple of minutes left. Uh, and I actually, have one. There is, yeah, I have one. Ahead. Sorry, sorry. What what was the what was the hardest part about about in the hackathon of building your solution? What was the biggest challenge that you both faced? I think as a team, we struggled a little bit on the idea. I think we were the only team who, by the end of day one, had no idea what they were going to build. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had so many ideas. It, it was hard to pick just one, but uh, we also had a mentor. Uh, who helped us through to just kind of refine the ideas and draw up these architecture diagrams. But uh, I personally never worked with QuickSight before. So learning about this brand new dashboard was amazing. And Varvara is now a pro at QuickSight. So whenever I have a QuickSight question, <laughs> Can you teach me? She is the person to go to. But I think this was our, one of the first real kind of big projects we did and being able to just play around with the console, uh, deploy some CDK and be really kind of have a project end-to-end -end made. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It was the first thing I made personally that we started from nothing and had a final product at the end. And you have to take care of a lot of things when you build something end to end. And I'm actually very thankful to also Pascal and Martin, our other teammates, because it was really a joint effort. <laughs> no, but it definitely felt like uh, we had some of the hackathons at uh, university and usually they're overnight, but we are in the office late at night just trying to work them and just... Yeah. <laughs> like, me and Var sat on one table and tried to figure out what's wrong. It was really good. How much caffeine did you drink? <laughs> yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this is the atmosphere that I miss. Like, uh, this is not something that you encounter often in like your daily job uh, on the projects. It's more structured than this hack atmosphere. They sound uh, like a lot of fun. We do have one uh, question, Yulia. I see. Uh, yeah, there is one question from Bhaktivit. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, so the question is about some different programs for certification exams and about, in general, building skills portfolio. So I understand that Bhaktivit, you are also a graduate associate, so we want to improve your AWS skills, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't think, like, uh, I don't know if any of you have any 
direct I, answer to this? Yeah, yeah, I think one um, for for women specifically is as part of the She Builds program. We have She Builds Cloud Up, which actually is a program that is uh, gives you free skills training towards a cloud practitioner, or I think even in the past they've done SA associate certifications. Um, so we can get the link and share that the the She Builds Cloud Up program. I think they've probably they start different cohorts at different times. Beyond that, I know that my team works with the AWS user groups. So for those of you who've never been part of the AWS community, if you um, go on our website or if you Google for AWS user groups, we have user groups all over the world. And so you can go along to meetups. One of the great things is we're starting to see in-person meetups coming back after being you know, virtual for so long. And I know that user group leaders often get um, free certification vouchers. We have programs and work with them to identify people in their communities that are looking to upscale and get certification. So that is another route if you want to um, join one of the AWS user groups. That is a great place to really add to your skills. Anything anybody else would add? Uh, nothing that comes straight to my mind. Like I know only I think some additional paid resources, but I think that what you mentioned is like is a better alternative, honestly. Yeah. There are some really great online platforms as well. Um, obviously, we, we we work with a lot, but I don't, I don't know if any of you have favorites. I've I've um, checked out a Cloud Guru has some really great AWS training materials. Um, you're all nodding your heads. I think there are others as well. I, I've talked to candidates who've who've used um, Udemy and other places. Um, I also know that there is a platform called AWS Reskill that are Indian community developed and they share a lot of materials there so it's not european based but um it's it's all just aws skills material so i think if you look there's a lot of material out there that you don't have to necessarily spend money to access i wanted to add also that it was a um, it was very interesting for me coming from university how much you can actually learn about cloud without having a professor without paying any money and without reading textbooks it's all about, you know, trying to practice yourself and having an AWS account is free. You can do a lot of really cool things, just yourself following some tutorials online. And this is, for me, has been the best way to learn for sure. Yeah, Our training and certification team has free online training as well. We should call that out. If you go to AWS training and certification, there are modules that you can do online in the browser. Um, and yeah, make use of that free tier. I think that's really <laughs> important when you're a student. Yeah. And I think our guests agree with us that practice, practice, practice is the really key to succeed. Uh, succeed and yes, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, all right, so I think it's time to slowly wrap up. And as always, we have a couple of announcements to make uh, before before uh, we leave you guys. So first of all, our ah! star on the night. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the so, AWS dress. Yes, the infamous <laughs> AWS dress. Yeah, so this is Chris at AWS Summit in Berlin in May. So we just wanted to give this shout out to this fabulous dress, which, as we learned today, Chris made herself, which was a big surprise. You know, I think SheBuilds needs to get on this. There's so much swag of just T-shirts. Come on, we need we need some some a little bit you know more options. So I I made a dress several years ago, but um, Antonia and I were both at the AWS Summit in Berlin, which was I don't know about you, Antonia. For me, it was one of the highlights of this year so far to be able to be back in person 
with the with the AWS developer community. I took a giant bag of stickers I was giving away. <laughs> we had community talks. I went to some really great sessions. Um, it was so nice. What were the highlights for you, Antonia? A lot of fun activities. So that's what yeah. I really like about the AWS summits, that it's not about just talks and, and oh, workshops, sorry. but it's also Oops. about um, um, <laughs> uh, that you can also have some some fun. So there was some bike where you could mix your own smoothie. Then there was a, a, a huge stand from the Bundesliga where you could try to shoot the goal with the football. So that was definitely one of my, my highlights. And also Deep Racer. I've never seen Deep Racer in, in, in person. So that was really cool to, to watch these cars uh, running around the, the track. So yeah, yeah, summits are amazing. If you can get to one, you should. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to uh, have the same fun experiences, there, are, there is still a chance in June. So there is one uh, EMEA Summit on site happening in Milan on June 21st. But if you don't feel comfortable joining, uh, joining the conferences face-to-face, uh, -face, there is also an option to join us online on June 29th. Uh, so make sure not to miss that chance. And they are uh, and free to attend. Free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a really nice opportunity. Uh, and apart from that, we have a really nice... Uh, she builds textbooks representation and the uh, women in tech conferences coming coming up in June. Uh, so first of all, on 7th and 8th of June, there will be women in tech conference in Warsaw. And you might not recognize this face on the left, but this is actually Marisha working behind the scenes and moderating our show. <laughs> and together with Marisha, we will be hosting a workshop session on the SageMaker. Uh, so if you are new to AI ML field, make sure to join us there uh, because we have some nice workshops prepared for you. And the day after yeah. you can travel to Amsterdam and uh, attend <laughs> my workshop at the European Women in Technology Conference. Uh, I'm also hosting a workshop, but diving deeper into AWS recognition and computer vision. So definitely uh, come by, pass by. I'm going to have some stickers. So uh, come by and, and yeah, attend. Yes. Uh, and a couple of more announcements. Sorry for this weird screen transition, but make sure to join us next month for our next episodes of SheBuilds Tech Skills uh, Twitch show. Uh, and next month, we will be joined by Solution Architect from Amsterdam by Virginia Graciana Martinez. And this time, we'll be talking about infrastructure as code. Uh, and this will be a session devoted mostly to people who are just getting started in this field. So it will be a gentle beginner session into, into this area. So. If you are interested in this uh, in this topic, make sure to join us. And last but not least, women in cybersecurity. So back to you, yeah. Chris. Well, there are a lot of other AWS shows on Twitch. If you haven't if you haven't looked, there's so many others. There's a new one starting on open source that's really cool. We have our sister She Builds Tech Skills show uh, in Australia, New Zealand, and we've got one coming in the future in America. But one really cool show is The Safe Room, which is all about security. We need more women in the security space. So Sydney over at The Safe Room has sent us a little promo for their show that we thought we would share with you. Yes. Hi, my name is Sydney Studi. I am with the Threat Detection and Incident Response Practice here at AWS. And I wanted to top on here and talk about something really cool we're going to air tomorrow and we already aired today. 
So tomorrow and today and tomorrow, we have been doing a two-part series titled Women in Cybersecurity, where we have various roles, people at different roles here at AWS, come on and share their story, what they do at AWS, and any tips that they have for other interested women. So this is a collaboration with the Safe Room episode series in AWS On Air, and it is broadcasted live from the DC Public Sector Summit. You can find the replay from today's episode on our Twitch channel, and you can find you can see tomorrow's episode uh, from 1.30 to 2.15 Eastern Time, tomorrow, May 25th. So tune in and check it out. Uh, great. So that's all that we've got for you today. So uh, make sure to join us next month and have a good rest of the day. Thank you so much to our guests. Yes, thank you. Thank and you. thank you, Marisha, in the background, making sure everything runs smoothly. Appreciate everything you do and the hosts. I am I am so excited to see this show continue and just have so many amazing new women joining Amazon. So thanks to both of you for, for joining us. Right, exactly. Maybe just to wrap up, uh, Chris, because you mentioned that this will be your last show with us. So we are very, very sad to, to hear that. And of course, as always, we are jealous of the of the Australia team uh, who will have you back. But uh, what do you have planned for like your next steps? Oh, I am going to be really looking at building out SheBuilds before I leave. We have a lot more, a lot of more other programs. So for example, SheBuilds has a mentoring program. We talked a little bit about mentoring. Um, there's a mentoring program. It's not running in Europe. It's running in Australia, APJ and NAMR. So I think one of the things I'm going to work on is trying to bring the SheBuilds mentoring program to Europe. I have some other ideas I'm working on with, with other members of the team at Amazon on trying to to launch more programs here in EMEA for technical women. So I think that'll keep me busy for the next six months, but I'm, I'm going to keep watching the show, helping you find some amazing guests. So if people have topics that they want to hear about or guests that they think we should talk to, they should definitely get in touch with all of us um, and we can try and make that happen. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So we, we, we will be still counting on your support and uh, thanks so 100%. much for, <laughs> thanks so much for being with us and like, Taking the way with us for the for our first three episodes here. That's everything. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that was our show. Thank you guys and see you next month. Have a great Thank week. You. See Bye you. everybody.